1: All right, baby. Advanced stats, expert
0: analysis. I shouldn't say that as if we don't have expert analysis on the other shows. We're still working, like, we've got the name of the show, Beyond the Box Score. Now I'm working on the tagline. So we'll get that for next week. Welcome, everybody, to a Monday afternoon edition of Fantasy Football today. We do things a little bit differently on Monday afternoon. We look at snap counts, third downs, uh, you know, blitzes. things that i don't even know, i don't even know what we're gonna talk about it is jacob and dan are gonna surprise me with some things uh i've started to get into first down run and pass percentage inspired yeah, by jacob yes. Gibbs. yeah yeah uh jacob you are wearing a mortal Kombat shirt who is uh who's your character if you're playing mortal Kombat. who you fight with
2: um his name is actually Nightwolf, and he's not in a lot of the new games but otherwise i'm going with scorpion of course
0: oh over sub-zero get over here yeah Okay, come here, yeah. uh, And uh, I know that's Sub Zero Schneier. <laughs> what uh, what film you've been grinding on today, other than the Giants?
3: Well, it's been I started with some Giants tape, and now we got to go. yeah, uh, all good on that. Started with some Giants <laughs> tape, and then I started watching the Bengals because I'm trying to figure out. This has been my biggest surprise of the season. This Bengals offensive line, despite the additions they made, big time additions too. I mean, L. Collins was one of the best right tackles in the NFL last year. They're struggling, and it's not like teams are blitzing them. So I'm trying to figure out and get to the bottom of that and see if that's something that will change fast so fantasy managers can buy low here on some Bengals or if it could be an issue all year to the point where I don't want to suggest that moving forward.
0: Okay, well, let's uh, talk about uh, Sunday Night Football. That was one of the I, – I did go and review every – Every throw that Justin Fields made, uh, Justin Fields made, all 11 of them, it didn't take long. <laughs> What's going on with Darnell Mooney? I mean, Justin Fields is really missing on some big opportunities. He's just not, he did not play well on uh, Sunday night. They were definitely, I saw a few plays where he could have had huge gains, including the first throw he made was on a flea flicker. Right. And he got a 30 yard gain to EQ St. Brown. And if he had just looked at Darnell Mooney, if he had a, yep. s- a split second more, Darnell Mooney was wide open, 55-yard touchdown with a good throw. But anyway, uh, Dan, uh, what's your, what are your major takeaways from Green Bay 27 and Chicago 10?
3: Well, I think that's the major takeaway. It's not just the missed opportunities from field for me. It's this is the exact thing that happens. It plays out every time. We act like it's not going to happen. But when you field an offensive line, like the Bears tried to field this season, and if you look across the board at all five of those positions, there's not, there, it, a case can be made, especially after they gave up Daniels in free agency last offseason, which again, I just never understood. A case can be made. They don't really have anyone who would be starting on an NFL roster right now. I mean, that's a bit of an exaggeration. I haven't looked at some of these desperate situations across the NFL, but they at least don't have anyone who would be considered a plus starter right now on that offensive line. And yes, Fields made some, left some field, throws on the field. No pun intended there, but at the same time, it's very hard to play behind an offensive line like this because you lose confidence as a quarterback, you rush your entire process up, you speed up. You speed that up post and pre-snap, and I just think this isn't going to get any better this year. They don't have anyone to get excited about on this offensive line.
0: Of course it will I mean literally it will get better. You know, he's not going to throw 11
3: passes. His stats will get better, but I don't think the offensive line will get better.
0: I, to be honest with you, I was pretty impressed with their line in, in the run game. I mean, they were really plowing yeah, through the block. The Packers, I was surprised by that, but Jacob, I mean, are we pretty much just done starting the Bears? I mean, Montgomery was started in only 64% of leagues and of course, he goes off for 136 total yards. Um, you know, but like Mooney and Komet, there's no way I can trust, I can trust them. Are we dropping them? Like, where are you on the bears, uh, Jacob?
2: I'm fine dropping Komet if you need to, you're definitely not dropping Mooney. Um, and really I would prefer to wait and see with both of them. We have a larger sample size of them drawing fantasy relevant volume, even in, um, a really, you know, dysfunctional offense last year. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's going to get better. Um, so I would prefer not to drop them, but yeah, I agree with what Dan said. The offensive line is really a problem right now. Um, they did run the ball well against Green Bay, but that's pretty easy to do. Uh, I'm pretty worried about the Bears. I'm definitely taking a wait-and-see and like not starting any of them next week, except for yeah. Montgomery, if I have to.
0: Okay, on the Packers' side of the ball, Jacob, give me your big takeaways from the Packers. They just you know played a pretty conservative game. They had the ball for 37 minutes and 15 seconds. Aaron Rodgers scored 20 fantasy points on only 25 pass attempts. Aaron Jones was a monster. A.J. Dillon had his chances but didn't really have a good game, and he had a fumble, but he had 19 touches. And then no receiver had more than four targets. That stood out. So, Jacob, give me your thoughts on the Packers real quick.
2: Yeah, it's really spread out, like you mentioned, um, with the targets not really reaching high for any of those players. They were, you know – getting the rookies on the field, trying to get Christian Watson involved a little bit on end around and stuff like that. That was exciting to see. I thought they might roll with just, you know, the three old guys for a while here, but they're already keeping those guys involved, which is dope um, for the running backs. Yeah. What we've seen from Aaron Jones is, is super, super exciting uh, back-to-back weeks now that they've moved him outside of the backfield a lot. Um, and I think it's going to, it's, it's definitely already like led to an in, in improvement in um, his round involvement rate and I think that that's going to lead to more targets uh, over a larger sample size. So I'm super, super stoked for him. And he looked great as a rusher, which he always does. Um, But yeah, outside of that, nothing really stood out. It's about what we expect with Dylan, just low efficiency on this one, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, it was a really run-heavy game. I don't know what to make of Dylan. I think he's basically going to... I like him. I I still like him a lot. Uh, He's going to be a big part of the offense, there's no question. And when they have the right matchup, when they're going to win a game, I don't know what what to think next week at Tampa Bay. That's gonna be a really interesting one. Yeah. Uh, I think they're good, probably hopefully gonna have to throw them all although Tampa Bay, not gonna have Mike Evans probably not going to have Chris Godwin, don't know about Julio Jones. so maybe this is just a running game I don't know. Um, but you know Dylan, look, you you know you'll he's probably a good start, not a great start. so we won't spend too much time on him. Alan Lazard though, I was really disappointed, Dan. Uh, he ran the yep. most routes. He let me see if I have the the Green Bay routes were 26 for Lazard. And the next most after that was Sammy Watkins with 18, Aaron Jones with 18. So he played the most, he ran the most routes, scored a touchdown. Do you think he he gets more of a true number one role going forward, or is it going to stay spread
3: out? So on the positive side, when it comes to, obviously, looking forward with Alan Lazard, he's their best blocking receiver, and this is a team that is going to want to run, especially on the perimeter. That's where they can run best with Aaron Jones. So that's good. It'll keep him on the field. But I don't really see him evolving into what you just mentioned, any kind of true target hog, any kind of true number one here, not only just based on the uh, based on the rotation they're using, but also he just doesn't command targets. He never has in his career. I still think he has a chance to like round out into wide receiver three range, just because I think the red zone role will eventually be there for him. And he's going to get up close to double digit touchdowns when all is said and done after 17 games. But I can't view him as anything more than a back end wide receiver three right now.
0: All right. Yeah, I was, I'm was. i more optimistic just because I was more optimistic, and hopefully yeah. this game is not a sign of things to come for Alan Lazard. Uh, but, you know, not a great start. <laughs> Three targets, yeah. and like I said, nobody had more than four targets. It was very, very evenly distributed. But there, there was a game – oh, oh, the Chargers game was like that in week one, remember? Nobody had more than four yep. targets for the Chargers, and that changed completely with Mike Williams but in week pro- two.
3: Agreed, but the problem is, like – Williams commands targets. He wins at all three levels. I'm not sure there's any level. Alan Lazard wins at, except for when they line him up out of the slot and just give him a quick two way go, like quick, quick in or outbreak or so. Yeah. I just feel like he doesn't command the target.
0: He's, he's not Mike Williams. I'm not saying that, but <laughs> yeah, no,
3: I know that I know you're It's
0: just, it's just a lesson of let's see right. what happens next week. No
3: overreactions right. is the lesson.
0: Hey, send us a five star review. Give us a five star review on Apple podcast. It is a great way to get your questions read on the air, especially on our mailbag show. On Fridays, we record them on Saturday, it publishes in the podcast feed. Uh, so go to Apple Podcasts, find Fantasy Football today, leave us a five star review and please put a, put a comment in there. Not just a question, but a comment on why you like the show. This is something that helps our show grow, get more eyeballs on it. and we'd really appreciate it and then you can ask a question. And I, I don't read all of them, but I try to read a decent amount of them on the show. I certainly you know, the ratio of like Apple podcast questions that get read on the show, compared to emails that get read on the show. Much higher for Apple Podcasts. You can also send us an email, though. I respond to a lot of those at fantasyfootball at CBSI, the letter I, dot com. And I love hearing from all of you as well. Injuries, news, and notes. Trey Lance broke his ankle. He is out for the season. We know that. And, um, boy, what do you guys think about picking up Kenny Pickett right now? <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, the spec, like, it, Would Kenny Pickett be better than... Marcus Mariota and Jimmy Garoppolo, if he got the
2: job, Jacob Gibbs. Um, I don't know about Mariota, just because the rushing is exciting there. Um, but yeah, I think it, especially if you just need to, you know, take a swing for the fences type pickup, pick it is very exciting. The you know wide receiver group there is awesome, and Pat Fryermuth has had really encouraging underlying uh, per route data through the first two games as well. So like he's really got a full like ensemble of weapons there. Um, yeah, I think he's worth a pickup because Trubisky has not looked good.
0: All right, yeah, Superflex Leagues, if you're desperate right now. And a lot of people are. You know, Dak's struggling. Uh, Dak's out. Maybe not all that much longer. Dak could be back in week four. Perhaps week five is more realistic.
3: Harry Jones was saying he might be back for week three, which is crazy. I thought, I just, said, crazy. <laughs> I, thought
0: I just said that. I, I thought I just saw, sorry, that that is not happening.
3: Okay. No, I knew that was always going to be a long shot.
0: Uh, I want to make sure I'm not wrong about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Steven Jones said that Dak Prescott will not play in week three. (laughs) Could be week four or five. All right. Okay. Uh, You know, the injury news, not going to lie, other than Mm. Trey Lance, not that bad in week two.
3: Yeah, Jerry Judy seems to be with day-to-day, which is great news.
0: James Connor's ankle injury is not serious. Yep. So we'll see how, you know, he might not. I don't know if he'll play this week, but at least it's not a serious thing. Mike Evans does have the one game suspension. Probably not going to start Tom Brady against the Packers. Mm-hmm. See if Godwin plays. Jameis Winston, you know, this is something, Dan, that I'm really excited about Michael Thomas. I had him as a winner on yep. FFT today on the on HQ. But Jameis Winston is playing with these fractures in his back. And I wonder if we should be considering that when we evaluate Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, et cetera.
3: Maybe. I mean, what we heard is he can't do any further damage to it. It didn't look like he was playing his best football yesterday but at the same time like you mentioned earlier it's a really tough matchup right now against this Bucks D they're rolling with Todd Bowles and I think the even more interesting thing about yesterday was actually Chris Olave who generated an absurd absurd number of air yards and in that game just looked like potentially a player who could I don't want to say like be a league winner down the stretch but these rookies who tend to break out at the end had do generate a lot of air yards, do generate a lot of opportunities. I, I'm sure Jacob has a few extra stats on this one because I it's escaping me now. But did you see some of the stuff that Olave was able to do yesterday, Jacob?
2: Yeah, it was super exciting for Olave. Um, it was historic in terms of the amount of air yards that he yeah. demanded for someone that young.
3: Well, Jacob, what about the
0: rookie wide receivers in general? Because I know you study them a lot coming out of college and the types of routes they run and how it's going to translate to the NFL. And so far, London, Dotson, Olave... <laughs> yeah who am i forgetting uh garrett wilson garrett wilson leads the nfl in red zone and green zone targets he had five red zone targets i think in week two alone um so yeah it's it's a great first round of wide receivers so far
2: yeah it's been like unbelievably encouraging garrett wilson looks like he just can't be covered out there um and like i've been tweeting in all the usage stats from week two and you'll see Drake London and Gary Wilson up at the le- top of the leaderboards in almost every single stat for them to be doing this already is really pretty unprecedented, especially considering they're both going into offenses that have, you know, what we thought were target hogs in Elijah Moore mm-hmm. and Kyle Pitts, And so far it has not looked that way at all. Um, and also, especially for London, the matchups have not been easy. Um, and this past week for, um, Pitt or for, uh, Garrett Wilson was not an easy matchup either yep. against Cleveland. We just saw Cleveland, you know, shut down DJ Moore. In week one and then Garrett Wilson just gets whatever he wants against them. Um so yeah, just it really doesn't get much better than this for a start to a rookie career, especially with, you know, top ten picks that had really exciting collegiate data as well. Yeah, I wouldn't be
0: surprised if he's the top waiver wire priority for a lot of you because it doesn't look like the Cardinals' backfield right now is one that you're necessarily going to want to dip into. Hopefully, Connor can come back soon. And if, even if he doesn't, it's not the most exciting picture. But we'll tell you more about the the, snaps, the split in the snaps between Darrell Williams and, Eno you know, Benjamin and what we learn in just a bit. But Garrett Wilson's still available in about half our leagues, and that needs to change. Dalton Schultz has a knee injury. I don't get the sense that he's going to play in week three, but it's not a serious injury. It doesn't look like uh, Dalton Schultz is going to go on IR. Michael Gallup also, he could be back this week. But he would likely be on a snap count. We're going to check on Damian Harris's knee. I haven't seen anything on that. Hunter Renfro was evaluated for a concussion, and that will pretty much. We have a lot of news, but I'll uh, I'll leave it at that because a lot of it's like offensive line and defensive backs and things like that. Jadeveon Clowney though is not going to play this week. They have a Thursday game. All right, let's get into some advanced stats here, guys. Uh, uh, yeah, any, anything you want. You know, it's the the floor is yours, Jacob. You can go with snap shares, usage rates, whatever you want to focus on. What do we need to know beyond the box score?
2: <laughs> uh we've already <laughs> hit on like some of the most exciting guys from from this week um, with these rookie receivers. Um one guy to definitely point out is Amonra St. Brown, and I would also throw Jalen Waddle in there. Uh these guys are pretty obvious, but like I just want to emphasize how ridiculous what they're doing is. Um so since week 13 of last year, Amon is just the guy. Like it's him and Cooper Cup at two hundred twenty five and two hundred eleven fantasy points the next closest is 165 wow. he's been he's been targeted on thirty four percent of his routes, which is the highest of any player during that time um last year the league leader was thirty one point five percent I believe he's at thirty four he's just dominating and like he's not only sustaining what we saw last year with DeAndre Swift and hawkinson off the field he's elevating that with them on the field like he is being targeted at a way higher rate on first downs than we saw last year, which is really important those are worth 20 percent more PPR points and they just indicate that the team is trying to get the guy, the ball. Um, that's the big change that I've noticed with, um, ASB is that last year he was kind of the, oh, shit, no one is open. Jared Goff just is going to go to, did ASB you just curse? Uh, am I allowed to do that? Oh, no, no. <laughs> I don't think you are. I have got to. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think wow. that's my first one. That's my bad. Just let it slip. Uh, okay. nobody's open. I'm just throwing it to ASB cause he's probably open this year. It's like, we're getting the ball in his hands. He like first downs, we're going to him every single time. Um, It's really, really exciting what we've seen from him. (laughs) And then Waddle, I think I hit it in last week. It's just the route depth increase. His route depth is 40% deeper than it was last year. His average target is 30% deeper. And we saw him, you know, just pile up the air yards um, and targets in week two. And it's just like, defenses can't focus on either one of these guys. They're going to keep dominating.
0: Yeah, they're going to keep
3: bleeping dominating, right? Am yeah. I right? Adam runs a tight ship here, Jacob. You <laughs> expect to receive a bar of
2: soap in the mail. After That's this, right. You'll be expected on your own time to wash your mouth out. I get excited about the sun god. I'm sorry. I respect it.
0: Yeah. It's a, how about you, Dan? Anything jump out at you?
3: So I'll go with the three games I've seen so far on the All-22, looking back uh, on True Media. And a couple of these I did watch on the game replay as well, so mixed in a bit of both, whatever I had time for. The first one will be the Dolphins. I think there's a non-zero chance here that Mike McDaniel is the next Sean McVay, Kyle Shan, whatever you want to call it, offensive guy to come in and just really take the league by storm with his schemes and with his ability to create easy separation for his wide receivers. Yes, it helps when you have Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill, but if you look at some of the things they did schematically, really playing perfectly to, to his skill set, and also at the same time threatening the, the opposing defense with just an insane amount of vertical or horizontal spacing. Like they made they made the Raven. Tua, I'm sorry, Tua and McDaniel made the Ravens cover an insane amount of ground yesterday. And I think he's going to continue to do that to teams, McDaniel. And I now feel like this offense has a lot bigger, higher of a ceiling than I thought going into the season. That's something where I, it is a buy high if you're going to buy now. I don't mind it. I don't mind buying high on Tua in super flex leagues. I'd love to buy high on him right now. And really, I think it will keep up for both of those two receivers as well. Another takeaway I had, again, from that Bengals game earlier is, look, there are real big issues right now with this Bengals offensive line. Some people say it's because they didn't play together in the preseason. There's new guys. Continuity is always a factor when it comes to evaluating offensive line play. But they're losing one-on-one battles. It's not an issue of them getting out-skinned right now with blitzes by the opposing defensive coordinators leading to free rushers. They're losing one-on-ones and ultimately i've always kind of felt like taylor was a fake sharp as a coach i'll be honest with you i never really liked it i'm sure jacob might hold the same opinion based on that lap, but i felt like he's a fake sharp he made the super bowl good god bless good for you joe burrow was on a heater chase was on a heater lou anarumo ran a really good defense last year for them schematically but so i'm kind of not in the buy high for the Bengals. i'm almost in the maybe sell low or hold at best there and the final thing is the panthers man Ben McAdoo is running one of the least creative and, and worst schematic offenses I've seen there. They failed to get Christian McCaffrey. It doesn't look like they have any kind of plan for utilizing Christian skill skills in the passing game. So that scares the hell out of me with Christian McCaffrey. Baker Mayfield is terrible under pressure. His ball placement, even when he wasn't under pressure, was bad. He was not playing the position well at all. And he's I always under really... pressure. What'd you say? He's always under pressure. He was always under pressure a lot in that game based on the game plan. But I mean, look. He's not somebody who I think can dig them out of situations where he's forced to go off platform and make all these kinds of throws. And I just feel like that offense reminded me a lot of the Ben McAdoo offense in his final days with the Giants. Just no, no nothing schemed up, trying to win with quick game and one on ones in the same personnel packages. So I, I I'm not feeling good about my Christian McCaffrey share right now. I'll be honest.
0: I, I guess I'll just. I mean, I'll just disagree on the Bengals specifically. Okay. I, th- I trust they're going to figure it out. It's sloppy. They had a bad offensive line last year, and they still were plenty productive. Joe Mixon was a top five running back. T. Higgins was good when he played. Right. Jamar Chase was a top six or something. I don't remember where he finished. Top six wide receiver. They just have too much talent to me. Um, I think they'll figure it out. And I just, I've been shocked at how poorly the line has been playing. I, I can't imagine they have anywhere to go but up right now. So, right. yeah, I, I do feel like if they, if they do play this poorly up front, then it is going to be a long season and it's going to be frustrating. But if they get it together or at least just be, be average, then I think the Bengals will turn things around. Uh, the, the, uh, the Panthers have no identity right now. I, I just don't know what kind of team they want to be. Why they're throwing a shy Smith so much? There yeah, and you yeah. know what you you talk about Ben McAdoo, but he might be head coach. He might be interim head coach. Ben McAdoo. That's
2: bad. That's before. bad for them.
0: Yeah. So I, I I you know so I don't know who they turn to, but um, but they're uh, they're lost. However, McCaffrey is still so involved in getting so many touches that the worst case scenario in my opinion would be McCaffrey would perform like a low like a like a twelfth overall player, not sure. second or third overall player. He may not win you the league, but I don't think he's gonna lose you the league, I'd say. You agree with that?
3: So you long agree? as he stays healthy, yes, of I course, agree with yeah. that. You just you expect them you expect him to scheme out a passing role for him every week. That should be the focal point. So it's just it's just interesting to see there. And one more thing on the Bengals point, I think this has not been said. After watching the tape, you can kind of see this. Burrow's not playing at the same level he played at last year. Maybe that's because of missed time in the in the off with the with Could the be. surgery and the, no preseason snaps. All the things we've talked about. But this is not all on the offensive line. There are some sacks that he took that were on the quarterback. And in general, he just doesn't look to be at playing at that same clicking like rhythm level he was at last year. And he'll get there. That I feel more confident in. All right, I want to go it. through some. Uh, oh, go ahead, Jacob.
2: Say on CMC, his route involvement rate was down a little bit this week. And it was down just a little bit in week one, but it was more pronounced this week. Uh only ran around on 24 of 36 dropbacks, which is still good, um, but is not what we're used to is with CMC and yep. could be a problem.
0: Well, I mean, when when you are scouting a team and you see they gave up two touchdown catches to Dontrell Hilliard in week one, easy ones, right? Was it two or was it one? Two. It was two, two. right? Like, how do you not take advantage of that with Christian McCaffrey? Right. It, it just it makes no sense. Um, all right, some snap shares, some third down stuff. Uh, stuff. Javante Williams. This was a very encouraging mm-hmm. game for Javante Williams. You hope it continues, but you can't guarantee that it will. He had six red zone snaps. Melvin Gordon had one. Javante had six goal to go carries or snaps. I think Melvin Gordon had zero. Um, In week one, it was pretty much even. They both had five goal-to-go snaps, not carries, snaps. It was all Javante in week two. Uh, Here were your leaders in third-down snaps. Jacob, tell me what stands out to you. Your leaders in third-down snaps at the running back position. Fournette, Barkley, McKissick, McCaffrey, Swift, Ramondre, Stevenson. He had 11 Mm -hmm. compared to seven for Damian Harris. Darrell Williams had 10 third-down snaps compared to one for Eno Benjamin. Eckler, Kareem Hunt, uh, McKinnon. Uh, did I say him? No, no, I was. I said McKissick earlier. McKissick, both of them are on there. Jeff Wilson, Rex Burkhead, Amir Abdullah, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne. We probably passed the ones that really matter. But what stood out to you, third down snap leaders?
2: Ramondre, you definitely hit on that. That is important. Um, He did not have a great game, but his usage was exciting. He was on the field a lot, and so um, if he's going to be in that role, I think that we've got a small sample size of him drawing targets at a pretty high rate um, at the collegiate level and as a rookie. And I would expect it to be much more productive than we saw last week. Um, I think Jerry McKinnon is really important to bring point out too, because people are really excited about Clyde because he had the touchdowns week one, week two, he had the big run. He looked really explosive, which we haven't seen um, in a while, but like the usage is still not there and the snaps aren't there. And he's coming off the field on passing downs all the time. And it, it just seems like it's unsustainable. Um, like last week was a, almost the, there wasn't touchdowns, but it was almost a best case outcome for Clyde with that usage. And it, wasn't that great he had like 15 points or something like um if mckinnon is going to retain that role that's gonna be a problem for for ceh uh
0: michael carter is clearly the the passing downs guy he ran a ton oh, of routes
2: what do you got there i've got a good one on the jets Brees hall basically lost his passing down work to yeah. ty johnson if you wonder like why did Brees hall go from 10 targets to one or whatever it was like he wasn't playing he ran eight routes so he had like if- a Twenty six. I can't, I can't make sense of that one. Pick, pick I, it, a it running back.
0: Pick a Jets running back rest of season.
2: Brees
3: Hall. Yeah, it's still Brees Hall for me too.
0: All right. First half. I'm looking to, to win though.
3: championships down the stretch run. I don't care right. about what's gonna happen now. The the few points Carter more Carter can get for the time being.
0: Yeah, Carter's not but, bad though. That's the thing. It's like he's, he's not. He's not a bad player. He's, play. he's a play. good it,
2: It's definitely possible that Carter is the right answer though, because if this yeah. like persists, if they don't like Brees Hall on passing downs, right, then like he may never get a three down role. Whereas like if Brees Hall gets injured, Michael Carter could actually play three down roll. We saw him in it last year, and he was really good.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, Daryl Williams, uh, I gave you one snap. Uh, one. Uh, sorry. One stat about the the third down. Uh, snaps was all darrell Williams, not Eno Benjamin. Well, also, darrell Williams, according to Dave, had ten of ten snaps inside the ten yard line. So, hmm. if you're trying to decide which running back do I want in that Cardinals backfield, darrell Williams was more involved in the passing game. He yep. ran more routes. I um, want to make sure about that. He, yeah, he ran twenty-two routes. You know, oh, he ran twenty-two. So this is interesting. Daryl Williams was on the field for for the third downs. Yet they ran the same amount of routes in the second half. Twenty two to twenty
2: one. They got Eno out yeah. of the backfield quite a bit. Fifteen yeah. percent of his um snaps came in the slot.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. It was actually seventeen seventeen in the second half. They both ran seventeen routes in the second half, but they were down twenty to nothing. So yeah, they're obviously gonna be throwing a lot. But Williams was the third down guy and he was the green zone guy inside the ten yard line. Um that you know, Michael Thomas only played seventy six percent of the snaps. That did lead all Saints wide receivers. But do you think we can get Michael Thomas up to like ninety percent of the snaps? Or what? <laughs> that'd be nice, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That, anything else? Anything I'm missing here?
2: I would just say that Thomas's average route depth is way up from what we've seen in the past. They're using him downfield way more. Yep. Um, and they're kind of using Landry in the underneath role and he's done well when running those types of routes throughout his career. And he's continued to get better. Um, and if you look at his route tree, it's changed drastically. I tweeted this in week one, kind of a joke. He, he ran like 2% of his routes were slants in week one. And he, his go route was up to like 35% or something. And when it was normally like 16, 17%, he's like running a completely different route. Tree. I'm really excited to dig into week two. I have not looked at it yet, but with his route depth being 11 yards again, I assume it was pretty much the same.
0: All right, guys, uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, we've got five big topics. Everyone in the chat is freaking out about the Denver Broncos. Do we share your concerns? (laughs) We'll talk about Russell Wilson. We'll talk about Tom Brady and a very different look to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense through two games post-Bruce Arians. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football Today.
1: At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
0: Welcome back. It is time for five big topics. These are from our listeners. We thank you very much. Topic number one is from John Rodriguez. After two weeks, are there any stats or data that suggest who the next breakout guy is? Who would they bet would
2: be the next guy?
3: I think Jacob already nailed this one. I think he's going to agree when I say it's a Ross St. Brown.
2: Yeah, I think he's already there. Yeah, that's um, technicality. I think, I think we've also we've hit on Drake. <laughs> Would Leonard. you say, Adam, that's not a fair? I mean, No, it's technically, I mean, At he is our yeah, yeah. Well, I,
0: I'm, okay, I'm not quite there yet with the monster same. I, okay. I definitely, he's a must start. He's the man. I wish I had drafted him <laughs> more. I suck for not drafting him more. I just, I pointed it out before the show. Uh, I pointed it out before the week. I pointed it out last night. This is about as good of a matchup as you can get. Washington yeah. is horrible right. against slot receivers. They were last year. They were in week one. Christian Kirk had 112 yards, I think. They were again in week two. Week one wasn't that great of a game for Amon or St. Brown. He hit some. I forget what it was, like eight for 68 and a touchdown.
2: The usage was excellent. It's the volume and the yeah, usage. Yeah, I love
0: exactly. him. I just don't know if he's like a top five guy. But yeah. I don't know if he's a top 12 guy, but I would say he's definitely top 18. And I completely regret not having him. Uh, but... I do think this may have been one of the best matchups for a slot
3: receiver. Uh, if Washington this usage sucks. continues, though, there's almost no way he can't finish in the top 12, if it continues. Yeah.
2: Um, Drake London and Chris Lave we've hit on, but I think they're both um, guys who haven't quite broken out, maybe in the way Garrett Wilson did yeah. with a two-touchdown you know, week yet, um, and the usage suggests that they could, and they're you know really exciting prospects. Um, Rashad Bateman, he's not running all the routes. He's only been in, I think running around on like two thirds of Baltimore's dropbacks through the first two games, which I think will increase. Um, and his per route numbers have been really good. He was really, really good in college when we saw him finally get the wide receiver one mm-hmm. role. Um, and I think it's possible that he is somebody who's a little bit undervalued, even though he's been, you know, producing, um, I think it could get even better. Um, and then the last one I bring up is Jacoby Myers. His per route data is insane. There's only like yeah. seven or eight guys who have a higher target and yard per run than Jacoby Myers. Like, and we've, we've seen this from Jacoby before, you know, and it's not, that exciting, but like they're throwing a little bit more and his rates are better. He continues to get better each yep. year. He's completely dominating the volume. Like Devontae Parker's barely involved at all. Yeah,
0: yeah. Which is really surprising. Uh yeah, I think two guys on a higher end that look like they could have special seasons are Javante Williams and DeAndre Swift. Mm-hmm and both yep. of them need to sort of come out of their committees a little bit but swift is just so good right now i mean he has a 50 yard run in each of his first two games and a 20 plus yard catch in each of his first two games he barely played in week 2 and he was incredible so i'm hoping that they can give him the work that he needs to be amazing and that he can stand up, that he can withstand the workload
3: and if you want a little piece of data to back up the potential swift being the next breakout here the Lions are averaging, this is one of the most insane stats of the season yards so far, 3.8 yards before contact The Lions offensive wow. line, 3.8, that's insane. That's unheard of type numbers. That offensive line, I've been watching some of the film on them. They're playing so well in unison. They've had to put some different guys, like they've had to put backups in they weren't expecting, didn't skip a beat. They have the best center in the NFL, in my opinion. They also potentially are, Pene Wall P- 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 so is soon going to be one of the best tackles in the NFL. He's on that trajectory, so... Yeah, just keep an eye on that. That offensive line right now is playing better than anyone in the NFL in the run game by far.
0: And Frank Ragnow didn't even play in week two, dude. He? he didn't play in
3: this game, right? They had to they had to go with the backup in this game, right? Yep.
0: They don't think it's a long term issue. All right, yeah. uh, from next topic from Ramon Odisho, why wasn't Cooper Cup number one overall in everyone's preseason rankings? Do we put too much stock in having to get an RB one, and in our abilities to predict who the tier one running backs will be? Wide receivers just seem to be much more consistent and reliable.
3: I think Dan Schneier is dying to get in here. Go ahead. What do you think? That's just me clapping um, in the background here. I, I had Cooper Cup as a wide receiver one, and I said he is worth the first overall pick in a PPR league. We look at last season, Adam and and Jacob, and it's just amazing to me that he can draw that kind of target share, be utilized in the way that no coach utilizes a receiver. Like, this is the only, I mean, somewhat Debo Samuel to some extent, but not with the same amount of volume. Sean McVay schemes cup open early and often in all three levels of the field and specifically in the red zone. And so he's just quite clearly the best receiver in the NFL for fantasy right now, in my mind. And it's not even close and Jefferson, you can put him up there, but I don't know if he's going to be able to do it at the same rate because they don't really design the offense for him. He had a great first game, but it's not the same way to design it for Cup. So I think schematically speaking, I'm all in on cup. I agree with this take. I think you are fine to take receivers like cup and Jefferson in the first pick overall in a PPR league.
0: Yeah, it's fine, but I think, you know, look, a, two, a game, he he wasn't even that great in Week 2, and he still was good. But I think there were plenty of reasons to doubt that Cooper Cup would be as good as he was last year. He probably won't be, 1,900 yards or whatever. But he had never done that before, and it was a pretty late breakout. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if Jonathan Taylor last, you know, yesterday was pathetic. They barely got him the ball. But I'm still, if I'm redrafting today, I'm still taking Jonathan Taylor over everyone else. And the reason is... Round three. I mean, round two, yeah. round three. Look at, look at who was drafted. Tyreek Hill was drafted at the end of round mm-hmm. two. And, and uh, Keenan AJ Allen Brown. was off to – I mean, I know Keenan Allen barely played, but he – A.J. He, Brown. A.J. Brown. Uh, you yep. know, I, we like Mike Williams. Cortland yep. Sutton's going to have a big year. It, it's just – here So far through two weeks, if you look at the top 12 wide receivers per game, only four of them were round one or two picks. If you look at the top 12 running backs per game – through two games, which is crazy. I know to even to even look at such a small sample. Seven of them were round one or two picks. It's about position depth and and you know maybe cup is just the best player and that doesn't matter. But God, I, I just loved the wide receivers so much better in round three than I did the running backs. it wasn't even close.
3: It's the age old debate in fantasy. The receiver is running back and position scarcity is the key reason that that you're bringing up Adam. And, and a big case can be made that that's the key reason you should be going running back. Also, if you look at some of the winning teams over the last five years, it is usually the team that does find the Jonathan Taylor yes. last year, for example. Yes. But having said that there were a lot of winning teams with Cooper cup last year. There were a lot of winning he was rosters. Drafted, he
0: was drafted in the fifth round. Sure, the, he for was drafted later.
3: Same goes for Kelsey. He was on a lot of winning rosters last year, but the other side of that argument, which is always the sticking point for me, is the anti-fragility argument because there's just such a greater chance of these running backs getting hurt than these wide receivers. And so for me, that's when I'm factoring in what I'm taking with my biggest capital, my first-round pick, I'm looking at something like anti-fragility because I don't want to lose players for – I don't want to lose these players for games.
0: Anti-fragility?
3: Yeah. That's a term? Yeah. Hmm. Jacob, it's is
0: the,
2: that yeah. a term, Jacob? Yeah. Yeah. Huh? That's not schooled him right on it. Bang, <laughs> bang,
3: snap! Yes, that was a snap. Beyond yes. the box score, I this love is it. Beyond the box score, don't challenge me on beyond the box score. You can challenge me on the mailbag. Never on beyond. The I box. love <laughs> it. Anti fragility. Learning
0: so much. Um, yeah. Okay. Who are some of the key injuries so far this year? Guys who are are already hurt. Who played in week one and are already hurt?
3: Chris Godwin is one. Keenan Allen is one. James Conner. James Connor. We'll see where that goes. But so far, I mean, obviously Trey Lance, that was so disappointing for me because when I Um, looked at,
0: when I looked at the round two and three wide receivers over the past, like four or five years to see who was a better bet, the running backs, the receivers,
2: 50%
0: of the wide receivers had been busts. I think it was rounds two or three in a 12 team league. And 50% of them were total busts, like crap picks. And almost all of them were injury reasons. Wasn't performance with wide receivers. It actually, shed some light to me that wide receivers are actually a lot more injury prone than than we think. You know, it, 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 at times it had been guys like like Calvin Ridley last year. It was um, uh, Odell Beckham had you know had some seasons like that. I, I I mean, obviously, I'm more worried about running backs getting hurt. They get hit all the time, but mm-hmm. wide receivers get hurt too. You know.
3: Yeah, it's just the rates are not totally equal. I know maybe in recent years you can you can look at some of the data, and I am pulling this out of my my behind as I don't want (laughs) to pull a Jacob and curse on the podcast. Thank you. you. (laughs) We have Adam rain down on me, but I think if we do dig back on this, we'll see that there is a much higher bust rate from an injury standpoint for those top end Ronnie. Yeah, I
0: think so. All right, Jacob, let's try not to curse on this one. Everybody else will want (laughs) to curse. Topic number three comes from Robert Thomas, our Facebook moderator. Make sure you join our Facebook group. Awesome. Awesome group. Uh, Just friends hanging out, talking fantasy football. And um, Robert Thomas does an amazing job moderating that. But his question is: uh, search fantasy football today on Facebook. His question is: Broncos. Dot. 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 Concern? Question mark.
2: <laughs> it, it is going to be hard for me not to curse. I'm. I had a. Jerry, Jerry Judy comes out in week two after uh, looking oh, excellent Judy. week one. There you go. He draws a target on three of five <sighs> routes I run. Know. They're just going to him immediately, and he's going to dominate uh, Houston. Like of course, and then like. He goes down, and Cortland Sutton proceeds to do what he does when Judy's not in the field, which is ball out. And like, it's just frustrating as somebody who's been so excited for Judy and told everyone that like he's the guy. Like Sutton is really good, but like I think Judy's the one. Why does he one I think that's true, and hopefully Judy comes back. But like, if he's out, like Sutton's going to continue to ball out. Like his splits without Judy are, are really good. And I mean, KJ Hamler's out too, and Alberto yeah. is doing nothing. Like it's yep. Sutton and Javante.
0: Right, but the okay, but people are freaking out a lot. A lot of people, a lot of football fans, think that Russell Wilson is. I hate washed. the word, yeah, but they should say washed up, of course, because washed isn't a real term. Washed is what you do to laundry. But they they think Russell Wilson is not that good anymore. There was a Denver Post headline that said, "Thank goodness Russell Wilson grabbed the wheel of clown car from clueless Broncos coach Nathaniel Hackett." That was a Denver Post headline. They are having trouble breaking the huddle early enough. Their fans are counting down the play clock for them. Yep, They are out of sorts for sure. They look like they have a rookie head coach. Um, So, you know, I want to be optimistic. And I want to be optimistic because I was so optimistic in the preseason. I don't want to be blind to it. But I'm still optimistic. The the biggest trouble here for me, they have the second – Russell Wilson has the second most red zone, and he's tied for the most green zone pass attempts. Green zone is, for me, inside the 10-yard line. He has not thrown a touchdown in the green zone. There are six quarterbacks with 10 to 12 green zone pass attempts. Wilson's one of them. They all have three touchdowns from that range, three or more, except for Wilson. He has zero. They are eighth in the NFL in total in yards per play, eighth in yards per game. They are like 25th in points per game, 26th in points per game. So they cannot finish a drive. The play calling is very suspect. Hackett himself called himself out. But, you know, Dan, Overall, your concerns about the Broncos' offense?
3: Yeah, so for me, I I have a lot of short-term concern with the Broncos' offense. I think it can eventually get figured out, but what we're seeing is exactly what you just said. An offense that's in disarray, it's a new head coach trying to install a system that, quite frankly, is so different than anything Russell Wilson's played in during his career with the Seahawks. That means you have, not only means the typical things you have to learn, the new terminology, but you also have to just learn a totally different set of uh, philosophy for how to run an offense, Throw in all that. They've had an insane number of injuries at receiver. That's screwing up the timing and the chemistry between Russell Wilson and receivers, not just from on the field when he throws the ball to them and they have to be in the right spot to where he's trying to throw the ball. It's things like you said, lining up right getting them ready before the snap, getting the snap called before, you know, the play clock winds down to five, three, four, two, and the defense can jump it and figure out how to time the snap. All of those issues are going to be there because Tim Patrick's done for the year. Jerry Judy's now a little hurt. They're not utilizing any of the other guys. You said Hamler's hurt. They're throwing the running backs and Sutton, and that's not a way to run an offense. It's going to take time here. They have a coach who I don't believe in (laughs) to be quite frank. And I do have some short term concern for this, especially because you bring up a stat about Russell Wilson that his entire career right. he has been a plus red zone passer. Right. Now, all of a sudden, he's one of the worst in the NFL at that. So or at least through these two weeks and the worst part about all this, Adam, for me is he hasn't had tough matchups. I
2: the know they're
3: going to be a really bad defense this year. So are the Texans. Eventually, they may not be as bad as people think, but eventually they will be. Anytime you have Lovie Smith running a defense in 2022, it will eventually be one of the worst in the NFL. So. ultimately it's just the truth let me look at it but um it's a harsh truth but we'll we'll see if that plays out but anyway yeah i have a lot of short-term concern there adam and long-term i feel like they can get it together but because they'll eventually learn the offense it'll eventually the timing will get better all things of that nature but right now i definitely have some concern
0: i don't think their schedule is that tough though i mean right san francisco vegas colts chargers that's tough jets jaguars titans Raiders, Panthers. It's really not that bad. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm just like, okay. Russell Wilson has had a couple of almost touchdowns, right? Cortland Sutton almost came down in bounds. Yeah, they had a play. They, they've had a few plays in the red zone against Seattle that were, you know, close. So I, you know, I got into a debate with Heath on the on HQ this afternoon. Carson Wentz or Russell Wilson rest of season. Hmm. He said he'd take Carson Wentz. That was before the good news on Jerry Judy came out. I don't know how he feels, if he feels differently now. Jacob, who would you rather have rest of season, Wilson or Wentz?
2: I'd rather have rest. I think the points that you brought up on a team level, especially with like this, the touchdown regression that's likely to come um, on those red zone throws um, are good ones. And I think that like the offense is going to bounce back. They're throwing um, at above average rate on first downs in a neutral situations, which is something I was hoping to see, hoping to see them play with pace. We've seen that a little bit. Um, I think this pass offense would be better. Unless Russ like, truly is washed, but um, that would be a surprise up. after what we saw last year. Washed up. Washed up.
0: Yeah. A.J. Johnson says, Dan talking a lot of forbidden Jacob word about Lovey Smith. Yeah, and Smith. I stand by it, A.J. <laughs> I stand
3: by it, A.J. This guy, this man, Lovey Smith, once made me feel like I finally, I'm a Wisconsin Badgers fan. I finally felt like we had a five-star recruit, Graham Mertz, his first start every he threw for five touchdowns against Lovey Smith defense. that was literally running the entire game a strict cover two zone. And so after that game, and then Graham Mertz has been awful since. After that game, I decided that anyone who runs into that Lovey Smith defense can look like an all-pro. And so you'll see. Just wait for it. Just wait for it.
0: Yeah, by the way, um, single coverage with Derek Stingley on Cortland Sutton for a, yeah. a decent chunk of that game. A rookie. Not a, yeah, not a great—I mean, good for Stingley for, for fighting, but mm-hmm. you know, not a great— He also mm-hmm. got hurt Stingley. He got hurt late in that game. Yeah. Uh, Lewis George, topic number four, toy story. Your old favorites like Woody, completely replaced by shiny new toys like Buzz. Who is hanging on and who is in the yard sale? See Terry McLaurin, Zeke, Devonte Smith. Devonte mm. Smith doesn't quite fit that, but um, yeah, Dan, what, what do you think? Uh, you got a friend in me. What do you think about uh, this question here?
3: I love when you break out into like the what? song version. The animators are singing the songs and he always. It's you're actually pretty good with it. That kind of sounded like whoever sings that song. Randy that
0: Newman is. sounds like Randy. Uh, is that Newman. the same
3: guy who does the Short People song? I love the Short People song. I the don't short know. No business. I think it is <laughs> somebody. Somebody for that. But as far as like you, he the a good a few good ones are brought up. Maybe someone could say. Michael Carter, if Brees Hall fits the bill, just based on expectation, I don't know. I think that one's a little bit of a stretch. I'm trying to think of some other ones that we can go. just going through the games right now. Um,
2: if yeah, if Devontae counts, if first like second-year player counts, sure. then like yeah. you could throw Elijah Moore and Kyle Pitts into that group. Um, they've essentially been kind of replaced by London and uh, Wilson, it looks like. Kyle
3: Pitts. Don't even get me started. I know.
2: Yeah, it's super sad. Um, we, Adam Heath and I talked this offseason about, like, some historic, you know, <laughs> underlying data for Elijah Moore Pitts and Jalen Waddle and like how that would translate this year with, you know, the shiny new toys. And of that group, Waddle's the only one who's been able to sustain those rates, like yep. with Tyree Kill there, which is just really, really impressive what we've seen from him.
3: I think a lot of that just comes down to coaching, like McDaniel scheming Waddle open versus yeah. whatever the hell is going on in Atlanta of oh, Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Like, this is just unexpected. Unex- unexplainable and unacceptable to be completely honest. Like you have an unbelievable mismatch and this is all you can get out of him. But I think that's a great point. Drake London is potentially right now before our eyes taking over that number one target hog role away from Kyle Pitts, which no one expected.
0: Yeah, it's two games. I'm not quite ready to say that Drake London will, no. will lead the team in, in receiving sure. um, at least maybe not from this point out. I, I feel like Pitts is just too good. You know, he'll get yeah, open, not, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm hopeful. Uh, McLaurin definitely is, you know, we talk about it a lot. He's, he's good. He's he's good. He's not bad. You don't have to, you know, trade him away or anything like that. But I think there are too many mouths to feed. How much do you guys, real quick, we'll go to our last one after this. How much do you believe mm-hmm. in Carson Wentz? And maybe mm-hmm. not, how much do you believe in the passing offense? Because, you know, the concept of them having a terrible defense and throwing a ton, it's not the worst concept in the world here. It could help, mm-hmm. but I still think... You know, Sam Darnold averaged almost 300 yards per game in the first four games of of last season. Uh, Wentz is better than that, but I, I still think he's going to be pretty disappointing at the end of the year.
2: Yeah, I mean, it would be no surprise for it to fall apart for Wentz, but what we have seen um, at the team level is exciting to how yeah. often they're passing. Um, I mean, we had over 50 routes run for Jahan Dotson last week, more than any player in the NFL And that's, there, there is so much opportunity. If the defense is going to be this bad, the offense is going to play this fast and pass as often as they are, um, which could change if Brian Robinson gets back and they have more of what they wanted to have going into the year. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, with the way things stand right now, it's pretty exciting for, especially for Samuel, who's getting the, the volume right now, Curtis Samuel, um, and McLaurin, I just wanted to point out that like, this is kind of the role that he was using in college. Um, is more of just a field stretcher and not someone who draws targets at a really high rate. Um, He actually is a rare player in that he like started drawing targets at a much higher rate once he got to the NFL level. And now we're seeing him on a more complete team where he can, you know, be used as the guy who stretches the field for underneath options. Um, And it's possible that that's kind of the role he's going to settle into, which will make him more inconsistent on a week to week basis, but definitely upside with it still. Last yeah, I like question. how
3: Jacob broke that down. Oh, just to add one thing to yeah. it. I don't believe in Carson Wentz in real life. I do kind of believe in him in fantasy, and mostly because of Scott Turner, the coordinator running that offense.
0: Yeah. Uh, very pass-heavy. Okay, from BBB Go Blue, our last topic. Topic number five, Tom Brady. I knew this week would be rough for Tom Brady, but what about moving forward? Is he a buy low? I will amend the question. Dan, who's a better buy low, Tom Brady or Russell Wilson?
3: I actually think Russ might be the better buy low here. Yeah. Um, It sucks because I waited a while to get Tom Brady. I finally got a big share of him in a big league this year, and I almost now want to trade him away. I'm mostly concerned for me about this Donovan Smith injury if they don't have Donovan Smith out there on an Island and they have to completely adjust their protection, like they did this week against the saints, it's going to get really ugly and it's going to continue to be really ugly there, especially when he loses all the continuity that he's had at the wide receiver position. If this Godwin injury lingers, if this Julio injury lingers, I think they'll, they'll get it going just like the Broncos. Eventually the schedule does get easier too at some point, but if, if these injuries continue to rack up on the offensive line, specifically if Donovan Smith can't play for an extended period, that's, that, that's when I start to panic here.
0: Uh, to me, it's more about the receivers. To say yeah. that he was going to have a good game in New Orleans where he never has a good game without yeah. Chris Godwin, without Julio Jones, and then Mike Evans gets thrown out, there's no chance. Uh, I think when his receivers are back, he's going to be fine. I'd rather buy low, I think, I think on Brady because I still think he's a high-end elite quarterback. And while I don't think Russell Wilson, Wilson is terrible or washed up, I did watch all of his throws from last week, and I, I do think, you know, just I'm not sure. I'm not sure that he's yeah. the same player he used to be. Yeah. I have some doubts. And,
3: and Brady, look, Brady layered one of the best throws of the day this week. The touchdown he threw was was unbelievable. It was one of the best oh. single throws of any quarterback. He still has the arm talent, he still has everything that he showed last year. But I wonder, Jacob, if you can, uh, you know, shine some more light on this. But I feel like the changeover from having Arians there last year as a coach to now turning the offense fully over to Byron Leftwich. I feel like they've gone more run heavy. Maybe that oh. is.
0: Oh, yeah. I've got That's, all the stats, but I'll let Jacob go for and it. And that here.
3: scares me because they were just one of the one of the key values of having Brady in that entire offense was that they were just insane th- at taking vertical shots downfield. They did it early. They did it often. They didn't care what time of the game it was. Yeah. They were taking shots. And so that might scare me more than anything.
2: Yeah, so they're 31st um, in dropback rate on first downs, 32%. Um, The only team that's lower is San Francisco at 29%. The league average is 52%. They're at 32. (laughs) Um, That's not good. And then in neutral situations, they're below the league average as well. I want to say 54 55%. The league average is 63% um, of the time they drop back for a pass. Tampa Bay is much lower than that. In the past, we've seen them be on the other end of the spectrum where they're very high. It's only two games. So what I would say is that there's significantly more upside with Tom Brady um, if this turns around, if we see them get back to what we've seen in the past if the offensive line, you know, kind of comes together and these receivers aren't hurt. Um, Chris Godwin looked pretty good when he was out there in week one and looked really good at the end of last yeah. year. Mike Evans has looked good. Right. Julio Jones has looked much better than we expected. The other difference between these two is if these guys go down, there's still really pretty good pieces in Tampa Bay. Whereas like Russ is throwing to no one when Jerry Judy is off the field and catching hey, Hammer's off the field. Sutton, baby. <clears throat> And <laughs> no one else. Yeah, no one else.
0: Yeah. Right. They um, they do have
2: great. running backs. <laughs> you, Williams. you would
0: have been so proud of me, Jacob, man. I went through all the first down data. Right now, Tom Brady is twenty-fourth in the NFL in first down pass attempts. Last year he was second. Right now, Leonard Fournette is tied for Saquon Barkley for the second most first down carries behind Joe Mixon, and he's second overall in carries, just in overall carries. Last year Fournette averaged twelve point nine carries per game. This year twenty two and a half carries per game. Um, and he leads the NFL with 22 carries in the first half, mm-hmm. so it's not just they're killing the clock at the end or anything like that. I mean, they are running the ball, uh, yeah. and I don't think Fournette can hold up like this—22 carries per game. So, what happens if he misses sometime? There will be more throws for Tom Brady, but I, think so. I do think the offensive philosophy is a little bit—the team philosophy is going to be different without Arians, and I think that caps Brady's upside a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. if not a lot. However, I still think it, this is really important. If you're the Dak Prescott manager, you're the Trey Lance manager, if you're really struggling at quarterback right now, I think Brady and Wilson personally are very good by lows. And you know, I think we we would we, I think we all said Brady over Wilson.
3: No, I, I actually you said. Russell oh, that's over right.
0: Brady. You said Russ. I'm sorry. All right, so you could consider it. Um... But you might you can wait probably another week for Tom Brady because he's not gonna have Evans. Right. I don't think he's gonna have Godwin. I don't know mm-hmm. if he's gonna have Julio. <laughs> yeah.
3: Probably, probably not gonna not. do so well against Green Bay this week. Might not have Donovan Smith either. Might not have Donovan
0: Smith. Fun show. All right. Beyond the box score. I tag can't believe
3: I found out just now that you're a data instead of a data guy. Me. No, that well, was that was Azer who said oh.
0: it. What's his name in Goonies? It's data.
3: It's also such a good opportunity for you to come up with you know you have the Azer stats, the Azer data. Sounds great. Acer data. You know? That's
0: actually that's not that's not a bad right? But that's not my thing, really. That's your thing. That's you <laughs> Jake. I don't
3: know. You got first down stats. Yeah. Now. You're ripping off first down stats now. Who knows? It's a whole Give new world.
0: Sub zero. Okay, so who's your favorite Mortal Kombat character? That's our YouTube poll. Sub Zero 44 percent Scorpion, 37%. Johnny Cage and Liu Kang. Yeah, the hardest part of this poll is picking the four. Characters, yeah. you know, I, you did a very good job. Um, yeah, I think that's the who, who would be like next best. That does it. Oh, I kind of like Raiden,
2: hmm, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really cool. He was cool, caged right? for
3: me just because he had that line about the sunglasses that I love as a kid. <laughs> what was the line? I
2: can't say it because it involves a curse. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we can't talk about Mortal Kombat on this show.
0: <laughs> a much better movie than Double Dragon, I will say that. Uh, Double Dragon worst movie ever made and we will end (laughs) the show it is the worst movie ever made we will end the show on that note thanks for watching everybody for Jacob and Dan this is Adam we have gone beyond the box score tagline coming next week
1: okay picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or